Anyway, it's good to see everybody. And we're going to uh, look at God's Word today. But one thing I want to do before we even start, before I even read the Scripture that we're going to look at today, because reading the Scripture is far more important than listening to my sermon. I mean, that's the part that's living and active. That's the Word of life. And it has far more value than what I have to say. So, but we're going to pray. But my desire... Because there may be some of you here today that just, maybe you just don't feel ready to receive something from the Lord today. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, the Lord is, is the bread of life. He's the one that feeds us. And maybe you're, you're just not feeling, you know, feeling hungry, maybe. But uh, I want to pray for you. I want, I want you to receive from the Lord something today that would be helpful for you. So let's pray first. And then we'll look at the word. Okay? So, Father, thank you that we can stop and talk to you. That we can put our priorities in order and bring our needs to your attention. So I do pray for those that, that may be just struggling a little in some way today. Maybe not coming here prepared to receive from you. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to receive something. Speak to their heart. Care for their soul. And, Lord, for the rest of us that are here today, Lord, we pray that you would pinpoint areas in our life that would be helpful as we walk out our life with you. Lord, our desire is to keep you in the center of our lives. So we pray, Lord, that this day there would be something that would be helpful. So we give this time. Help me to communicate as well, Lord. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are going to look at Psalm 25. This is our continuation of the Summer Psalms. I love doing Summer Psalms. This is a Psalm of David, and I was talking to David earlier today. And whenever we see a Psalm of David, because my name's David, we always feel extra convicted of certain things or an extra application because our name's in there. You know, that's how it kind of works. But you can put your name in there and you can, you can ask the Lord, this is my heart. This is what I am sharing. So keep that in mind as we, as we look at the word. So we're going to look at uh, Psalm 25. And then we will see what we can find in there. Starting at verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, 
Good and upright is the Lord, therefore. He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being. His offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of his troubles. What a psalm that is. When looking at the word of God and seeing what's happening in what, how David is expressing himself. He, he had such a way of just pouring out his heart. And it's always amazing to me, and it causes me to reflect as we start to look at his word. Psalms are more than just poetry and songs. They're a lot more than that. They look into the heart, and they're, they're acts of worship. They're songs. They're, they're worshipful Events and they give us insight to how we should express ourselves, how we should walk through trial, how we should worship God, how we should value Him, how should we should want Him and rely upon Him. So we're going to look in particular at this time this morning, and we're only going to look at two things. I actually threw out my third point; um, otherwise, we'd be here till Jesus comes again. There's so much in this psalm, so we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at posture. These aren't my points, but we're going to look at posture, and we're going to look at paths. That's really all we have time for today, posture and paths, okay? So my main point here this morning is our character, trust, faith, and understanding grow as we travel down the Lord's paths. Our character, trust, faith, and understanding grow as we travel down the Lord's paths. So my first point this morning is a humble heart using humble words is a great beginning. If we want to walk down the Lord's path, how do we want to begin? How do we want to approach the path that God has for us? We want to be humble. We want to have a humble heart using humble words. This is what David did. It's a great beginning. David needed God in his life. These are the lessons that we need to learn in our own lives. David needed God in his life. He was desperate for God. 
He needed God's involvement. He needed the interaction. He needed God's intervention at times. And this psalm is that prayer to God. David's talking to God. He's pouring out his heart. He's proclaiming truths about God. He's requesting mercy and forgiveness. He meditates on who God is. When I read this, it, it strengthens my need for God. It confirms my faith. It encompasses my desire for God's impact in my life. In every aspect of our lives, not just little things that come to mind. We have a need for God to be involved in our lives in every way, every need, every day. So that means we need to be focused on God, a constant presence in our lives. And we often overlook God as we go. This is the problem. As we go through life, we start to overlook God. There's so much activity in our lives today that we just don't realize that God starts to move to the side. It's easy to do. We're busy. We get distracted. Sometimes we even set demarcations. Okay, this is God's stuff, and this is my stuff. And we kind of do that too as well. How much do we want God involved in our lives? It's kind of a mindset and we sort of an attitude that we bring. And suddenly, though, if we keep doing that, God starts to become an afterthought. And that easily happens it's easy to do. It's sad, but it's very easy to do. And God all of a sudden is left out. He becomes left out of our lives. We put him on the shelf until we need him. Maybe sometimes we don't think God would be that interested in what we're doing. Oh, that's something. God doesn't need to be involved in that. I know people that are like that. I've talked with people, not, not in this church. I have some good friends that feel that, well, if, if I need God, he's there. And this is the stuff I need to take care of, and everything's going to be fine. Okay? That's what we do. We sometimes don't think that God is interested in what we're doing. So we just kind of move on on our own, and we just take everything at a stride, and we move ahead, and whether it's a big decision we have to make, whether it's a work issue, a relation issue, financial issue, a health issue, whatever the issue may be, maybe it's a blessing. We just move ahead on our own. But as we're moving ahead, we're hoping God will bless it. But we didn't ask him to be there in the first place. You know, we... I've, I think I've told this before, but when Roxanne and I worked in an orphanage down in Florida, one of the kids, I think he was about five, five or six years old, and we'd ask him to pray, and he'd say, before the meal, he'd say, Lord, bless me, bless us, bless the food, bless the world, and he would just ask God to bless everything, which I love. I want God to bless everything. But that's a lot of ways we look at our lives. We just say, Lord, I'm just going to do whatever I want, and I just want you to bless it. And that's not the way the functioning and interaction God's, God works with his people. And we see in our psalm that David wanted God to be involved in everything. But we also know that David messed up a lot. 
David's a great example, isn't he? He's a great example for us because he messed up a lot. God still loved him. God still forgave him, but he still messed up a lot. The lesson out of that is if you mess up, in the Psalms of David, a lot of the Psalms of David, if you mess up, this is the lesson, humble yourself and go to God. If you mess up, humble yourself, go to God. Maybe you have to go to people too, but go to God. I'll take this even further. If you don't mess up, humble yourself and go to God. Just go to God. Either way, humble yourself and go to God. You want to walk down God's path. Humble yourself and go to God. This psalm is heartfelt. This psalm is humble. It's earnest. It's personal. It's a picture of David's life. It's a reflection. It's looking back at his faith, his sin, his disobedience, his repentance. So when David messed up, and sometimes he had to have it pointed out to him, he really didn't hold back in speaking of his need to God. So in verse 1, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me be, not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall ever be put to shame. Lifting up my soul. It's, it, it means being carried or swept away. Lord, I want you to sweep away my soul. Take me into your presence. David understood what he was lacking. He had a need for God. He had a weakness. He understood the ramifications of sin probably better than all of us. But he also embraced the reality of God's forgiveness. In this psalm, he says, I trust in you. Let me not be put to shame. Remember your mercy, Lord. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Forgive all my sin. God will pluck my feet out of the net. God will bring me out of my distress. This psalm's a picture about life in general and the need for God in it. And we need that in our lives. When we look at the light, our lives in light of this psalm, we have to stop. We have to look at our lives. We have to begin to reflect. And we're humbled. Scripture does that to you. When you read Scripture, you start to get humbled. It puts God in God's place and us in our place. If you're struggling in your life, and if you're, if you're struggling in your life today, let's, for an example, look at Psalm 40, 1 through 3. This is another Psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Verse 2, he drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What a transition from where he was and where God, because of his involvement, brought him. That's what we need. So if you feel like David in Psalm 40, if you feel like you're stuck in a miry bog, not getting anywhere, the same old sins, the same old struggles, the same old trial, what do you do? You humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. If you need to, ask for help. 
to bring that about. So how do you do that? Well, you lay things down. You lay down your life before God. You want him to sweep, sweep away your soul. Lay down your life, your dreams. Confess your sin to God. This is why Jesus came. This is why the whole culmination of the gospel was so that our relationship with God would be restored, that sin would be forgiven. Jesus gave his life. He poured out his blood for us so that our relationship with him could be restored. And what we do is we set God aside too often. God will set your feet on sure ground. He'll put a new song in your mouth. It'll be a testimony of his faithfulness. Ask him to show mercy, to deliver you, to forgive you, to remember you. So we want to take David's posture. Go humbly before God. Verse 9 says, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Listen, if we want to walk in the paths of the Lord, we have to bring a posture of humility. A humble heart using humble words is a great beginning for that. Brings me to my second point. Walking the well-worn path is better than bushwhacking. It is. Believe me. I've done a lot of hiking in my day as I reflect back on days gone by, on paths walked. We used to, we used to really prepare well for our hikes. They were very exciting. And this from when I was a little kid to when I was grown up, married, had kids, and we'd drag the kids on these hikes as well. And we would, I mean, we would look at our maps. We would, we would look at the Appalachian Mountain Club handbook and, and we, the guide, and we would look through it and, and try to find out where are we going to go. We'd pack our lunches. We'd have our ham sandwiches and our, our uh, cucumbers and our Hershey bars. That was the traditional food and meal that we would take with us. And then we would look for the path that we were going to take to go. We'd look on the map. We'd see, okay, where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? What are we going to do? Now, if you want to go to the top of a mountain, you don't take the path that just goes around the mountain. Okay? You don't do that. You take the path that takes you to where you want to go. That's the important thing about that. If you are bushwhacking, and you don't choose to <laughs> go on a path, Basically, you just look at it someplace in the trees and you start walking in a direction that you may want to go in. The problem with bushwhacking is it's really fun, say, if you have a machete with you and you hack the trees and branches around you, and that is fun for five minutes till your arm gets tired and then you want to stop. But if you're bushwhacking, you are subject to the terrain. Where you're walking, if you're saying this is north, well, there's a tree here. Well, I got to go over here. Well, there's a rock here. Oh, now there's a cliff here. Oh, there's a river over there. And all of a sudden, you're not going in the direction you thought you were going to go in because you're not on the path. You're going wherever. And you start to wander. You don't know where you're going to end up. Bushwhacking is not the way to go. Branches are hitting in your face. 
There's no direction. Take the path that is clear. Take the used path, the well-worn path. It's not God's desire to make life hard. It really isn't. That is not his desire. Too often, though, the problem is we just wander through life in some general direction, kind of aimlessly pushing through, wondering what we're going to do. How many of you have ever been lost in the woods? Anybody? Yeah, I've been, I've been lost before. How many of you have ever been lost in Boston? Anybody? Yeah, see, yeah, there we go. How many of you feel, you don't have to raise your hand for this, how many feel that you're lost in your life? Do you feel like you're lost? We need a path. A well-worn path is well-worn for a reason. It's used by many and often. It's clear. It will take you where you want to go. It's easily accessible. Verse 10 says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. We're going to look at the first half of this verse, and that's all we'll be able to get to today. But all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. All the paths of the Lord. What's your focus in that? All the paths of the Lord. Is it all? Is it all the paths? Or is it paths? Or is it of the Lord? That's where you start to learn where your focus is. Steadfast love and faithfulness. But what if you like something else? What if you don't want steadfast love and faithfulness? Too often, we think of God's care and provision of our lives as sort of a giant menu in God's restaurant. We just want certain things. How many sides go with that? I want to pick and choose. Can I make substitutes? We look at the menu and you say, okay, I'll try a little, a little health here, Lord. I'd like some health. And I've got a tough day today. Could I have a little hope? Can you give me a little hope here? How about a, a, a side order of the fruit of the Spirit? I need that love, joy, peace, patience thing. Not much. A little, maybe another side of clarity. But I want a big helping. This is what I want a big helping of. I want a big helping of your provision. Cash is fine. Small bills is great. But I want your provision. And that's how we look at God sometimes. We think, oh, this is my problem. Oh, this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I need. And he's saying, there's, there's plenty here to go around for what you need. We think we can stuff these things in a backpack and use them whenever we want. We're all going somewhere, and we have to remember this. Everybody is going somewhere. You're all going down some sort of path. Before we were Christians, we were heading down a path of destruction. Now, for those of us that are Christians, why is it there seems to be some uncertainty of our direction. We wonder sometimes. Here's the key. Verse 4, David is saying, 
make me know your ways. Make me know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. There's a humble dependency that is a preparation for our walk with God. We need to let God know our, our need, our total want, and our desire is urgent. Let's look at paths. Let's define that a little bit. Paths define it. You can define it as road or as path. And that, that works fine. You can define it as the passing of life. Like he lived, the, his path of life was a great one, you know, something along that line. But it also refers to a way of living. What your path is, is your way of living. And that's what we want to look at here. It's not just direction, but it's the way you live out your life. Now, you can have different kinds of paths, and this is important for us to look at. We can have the path of me. We can have the path of me. What do I want? What will make me happy? What's convenient for me? What is my comfort? We look at that often, and it's very... Uh, it's society today, I think, is mostly on this path. So what is, what's the old Beatles song? Um, all through the day, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. All through the night, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. George Harrison wrote it. He wasn't big on lyrics. <laughs> um, well, here it is. Though they're frightening of leaving it, frightened of leaving it, everyone's weaving it coming on strong all the time, all through the day, I, me, mine. That's the path of me. That is the path of me. Of course, then you have the path of success. Everybody loves that one. I want a path of success. I want to be, you know, a millionaire by 30. I want to make my mark in the world. I want to be somebody. I want that path of success. I want to figure out what success is first and then do it. We set goals for ourselves. Sometimes we set goals for our children, too. You know, we get on that path of success. And really, that's not, God's not in there. We haven't prayed about it. We're not looking at it. But we want him to bless it. But when scripture is talking about a path, it is sometimes directional. But many times it's talking about the way of life, like I said. Not what I want not just direction or goals or formulas or process. It's that lifestyle. It's being a disciple of Jesus. That's what it's talking about. A part of being a Christian, part of being a part of his church. That's what it's talking about. What kind of lifestyle is that? And that bleeds over into society. It bleeds over into the workplace. It bleeds over into everything that we do. So David is saying, because it, he, he's not sure, he's saying, make me, teach me, lead me. So I'm on the right path. We should be asking the same thing. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love defined here is, is goodness and kindness. I don't always get that right. 
It's a Christ-likeness, really, when you come down to it. There's a love that's involved. There's the character and the care that comes out of that. That's God showing his, his steadfast love to us. But it starts to bleed over into us, and we start showing the same thing. Faithfulness defined as, as, it's translated truth in the New American Standard Bible, but it has to do with firmness, faithfulness, truth in what you believe, a reliability. There's faithfulness, a reliability on how you live, a stability in your life. You're lacking stability in your life. It's because God is not in the center of that path that you are walking down. These are godly character traits, and God expresses these traits towards us, and then we begin to express those traits towards others as well. As we enter each path of life that the Lord has for us, the steadfast love of the Lord is there to greet us. God is put center. He's there. His stability, his faithfulness, his truth. So be encouraged by that. You know, a lot of the time... David didn't really know what he was doing. He really didn't. And if we're humble about it, the majority of the time, we have no idea what we're doing. And that's okay. That's okay. Because, and, and this is what it says in verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, what does he do? He instructs sinners in the way. God instructs us in the way. Part of Posturing ourselves for that is humility, as we talked about. Posturing ourselves also to learn teachability. God is the one who instructs us. You know what instruct means in the Hebrew? I love this. It means to throw or cast or point or shoot or pour. It's an action that takes place. Have you ever watched... Have you ever watched a four-year-old pour milk into this cereal? It's always fascinating. And they don't know when to start pouring. They don't know how much to tip it. They, of course, then if they're distracted, they're, they're going like this. And then they don't know when to stop. And it's just all over the place. We can be like that, too. Balancing the cart and the milk isn't the easiest thing to do, of course. But sometimes when it comes to our walk with the Lord, we're like a four-year-old. Pouring milk. We're sloppy. We're not focused. We get distracted. Don't we? But God instructs us. God aims us. He brings direction for us. He teaches us so that we're not flailing about, wondering where we're going. He instructs us, it says, so that we can know the way, so that we can know the path. Way defined as way, road, a distance, a journey, but it's also manner. We'll know the manner of how we're supposed to do this. I love Hebrew and Greek because there's such a full meaning to it. Roads and paths, they have clear markings. 
And they're set before us in distance, the distant journey that we're on. But it's not just the road. It's not just the distance or the way. It's the manner in which something is done. How do we do this? How do we walk this? What's the character behind it? How do I express it to others? That's the fun of all of this. You begin to understand the Lord has paths for us. He has a path for you to walk. He has a path for me to walk down. Every stage of your life, as you're going through life, God's going to open up aspects. If it's childhood, that's your path. When you go to school, you go to college, there's a path for you to go through. When you get married, when you get older, when you get decrepit like me, there's a path for you to walk through. And it's a path that's full of the joy and the character of God. The Lord said through Jeremiah to the people of God, and this was to avoid disaster. What, this was to avoid a disastrous time. In Jeremiah 6.16, it says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The problem with that in the passage is this, but they said, we will not walk in it. Disaster happened. They wouldn't walk. The paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. It's a good way. We find rest in it. What path are you on? Are you lost? Are you wandering? Maybe you're bushwhacking. Ask the Lord as David did. Make me know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. For it is there that we will experience his steadfast love and faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, there is so much. And it's hard to communicate fully and well. But we ask, Lord, that you would help us to apply things that will bring us closer to you, that will open up areas of our lives that we have kept to ourselves for so long. Lord, that we will see that you have what is best for us, that we don't need to go to the restaurant of God and just give you a big tip if things go well. Lord, our desire is to see you first in our life, to fulfill your purposes in our life, and that our lives would be a witness to you for your glory. So we ask, Lord, help us. We humble ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen.